Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey, everyone. Yes, it is Labor Day, but we still continue this series of our experts. And of course, Mondays means we bring Greg Dickerson to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for giving us some time on Labor Day. It's greatly appreciated. I thought what we would talk about today is, you know, there's a lot of noise in the media about investing. You know, you Mm -hmm. have some people out there saying everything's rosy. You have some people saying, ooh, look, a discount, let's go. And then you have some people going, you ain't seen nothing yet. So I thought we would just, we would just talk about that, what you see, what, who you listen to. You know, where do you see this thing going? What, what do you think? Yeah, so you know, there's <laughs> investing, and then there's the markets, and then there's the economy, and there's recovery you know, that, that are being discussed around all of those. So let's talk about investing. So investing is the commitment of capital in anticipation of a future development, okay? So you're placing capital in anticipation anticipation of something developing in the future, hopefully to the positive generating a return. So when you hear all of the optimism, and we had a little slight sell-off last week, you know, and and things like that, um, the markets are testing the Fed's resolve Mm -hmm. and ability to continue to prop up the markets. And the only reason the markets are where they are is because of the liquidity from the Fed. That's it. No other reason. Uh, there are no fundamentals. There are no technicals. Everything's overvalued. It's, it's because the market knows, the investors know that the Fed is not going to let the stock market tank. Mm-hmm. They're going to buy corporate bonds. They're going to buy stocks. They're going to buy ETFs. They're going to buy whatever they need to buy and pump money wherever they need to pump to keep it up. So when you hear everybody who's enthusiastic on Wall Street talking about this great recovery and this V-shaped recovery, sure, if you're an institutional investor, absolutely. The retail guys are getting clobbered because you know they're, they're not where the institutional guys are. And from an institutional standpoint, the only place you can get yield is in the equity markets, okay? You can't get yield in treasuries, can't get yield in bonds, you know, dollar gold, all that is minuscule. They're, they're pushing investors into the stock market. Now, the interesting thing is, is at some point when the economy recovers, when we get through the coronavirus, and what we need from that standpoint is you got to take death off the table and you have to take the ventilator off the table. When people yes. know, hey, I can get infected and I'm not going to go on a ventilator and I'm not going to die. When people right. know that, vaccine is one thing, but that's not going to be at mass scale for a while. Yeah. You got to take death and you got to take, uh, you know, ventilator off the table. Yes. So once we're there and the economy can get back open full on, full going, the Fed has to take the foot off the gas to a certain degree. So there'll be a little bit of trimming going on. But, uh, but right now, the optimism is coming from the people whose interests are served by people keeping their money in the markets. Yeah. And I just want to kind of continue on that theme. I like how you broke it down, market, investing, speculation, economy, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. There was a little hiccup at the end of the week. Thursday was real bad. Friday was an interesting day. Up at the open, down, and then kind of you know, closer to, the, closer to even. Um, but it's interesting is, is some people out there in the media – Again, it's been a three-day weekend for us, right? There's already articles out today, Monday, non-trading day, talking about, oh, buy the dip, right? And again, buy the dip has worked since March, right? We've had a couple of little sell-offs or hiccups in the market. And, 
people are still doing it. And you're right. It is the Fed, right? They're keeping liquidity in the system. Man, I, I would have never thought the Fed bought ETFs, and they are. I never thought they would have bought zombie corporate debt, and they are. Um, you know, we will eventually have true price discovery, but you can't when there's an outside force with unlimited deep pockets, and that's who the Fed. Yeah. And you know, at some point, you got to take a profit, right? Nobody ever goes broke taking a profit. So yeah, the market got to a point to where it was just obnoxious. Okay, mm -hmm. and you know, somebody of their you know treasury in, in the Fed, and, you know, these these local reserve banks, they're calling these guys, going, "Look, dude, sell some <laughs> stock, will you, so we yeah. can keep this going?" Yeah, you don't sell some stock, we're gonna have to stop. You know, so mm -hmm. you know they're taking profits, and you have to at a point, and it just it's just the market as it is at an obnoxious level. When you look at the valuations on, the, on these companies, especially companies that have no profit. Yeah. have no growth potential and have no income and their stocks are through the roof. You know, it's just, it's just all speculation. And at some point that has to come back to earth. Now, the uh, interesting thing is, is that when you look at where we came from 2009, 2010 and the feds actions, low interest rates, pumping liquidity in the markets, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they've continued to do that through Q1, you know, uh, QE1, QE2, QE3 quantitative easing mm -hmm. where the fed has had these asset purchase programs that hasn't stopped since yeah. 2009, 2010. So where does it stop this time? Because we had a great economy and they were still doing it. And the right. only reason the economy was great is because interest rates were low. Right. The difference is not everybody is able to partake in that. Not everybody's able to buy money. You know, you and I can't go, you know, create a company that's, that's default or bankrupt and then yeah. sell bonds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can't do that. No. And that's the problem, you yeah. know, because that's the real economy that's suffering. So you have, the, the uh, markets of the economy of the markets, you have the economy of Main Street, and then you, know, you have the economy of all of the, all of the average you know, workforce out there. So Main Street businesses, entrepreneurs, and then you have the economy of the general public. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're probably, I guarantee you, I don't care what the numbers say, I guarantee you there's probably still 25% of the people out of the workforce, wow. unemployed, because you got to count the business owners that yeah. haven't filed for unemployment, can't file for unemployment, aren't making any money. I'm talking about effectively unemployed. Right. You might have a business open, but if you ain't making any money, you're, you're basically unemployed. Yeah, you're, lose, you're losing money slower. <laughs> that's right. what you're doing. So that's probably 25 to 30% real. Wow. You know? So, you know, if you look at GDP, that's kind of where we're at, right? You know, the GDP has been trimmed by probably 20, you know, who knows, 20 to 30%, somewhere in there. And that would be a neat number to look up because that's your true. Don't look at what the jobs are saying, how many we're adding, how many we're losing, who's filing for unemployment. What is GDP? Look at that because that's your real effective rate of unemployment. Where were we and where are we now? What's not being produced? That is unemployment. Unemployment employment is producing, production, mm -hmm. creating. You know, so that's what's interesting to look at. So how does that recover? Well, the problem with that and what's going to take so long for the economy to come back to a roar like it was, is that again, you know, the average entrepreneur, the average small business owner is not able to tap into um, any kind of liquidity other than that PPP program. And all that did was just keep, you know, some employees paid for a while. It didn't replace lost income, lost right. profits and, and things like that. So these businesses were, you know, in a deeper and deeper hole. So what you got to think about is just like the Great Recession, when the real estate and construction industry tanked, 
Yep. Not only was it those jobs and that productivity, but everything else around it, all of the suppliers, vendors, and, and subcontractors involved in that industry, mm -hmm. and then all the global suppliers involved in that industry. So now we're seeing the same thing at the small business level. Mm -hmm. For every hair salon, nail salon, and restaurant, you know, retail store that can't produce like they were, yeah. that's a lot of reverberation, butterfly effect through the local economy, mm -hmm. all these office buildings that are shut down, all those things. That's what's kind of out there. And until we can get back to where everybody can get back open again, and, uh, you know, it, it'll be some attrition, you know, and, oh, yeah. and bigger companies will pick up the slack for where the little ones left off and people will go to work other places. But until you can get fully back open, you can't see a real recovery on Main Street at the retail consumer level. Wow. 20, it's 25% real unemployment. And, and yeah, I mean, I, it certainly could be possible. That's interesting because as you know, last Friday, you know, the published number, which clearly is BS. Uh, what was it? 8.4, I think, or 8.6, mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Uh, wow. So three X that, that's, that, uh, that, that has to hit you in the gut. Um, so if that's, if that's where we are, there's, we have more pain ahead. And actually we, to that end, we haven't really had pain yet, at least at the macro level. Individuals yeah. have, if you lost your job, if you're not collecting rent as a mom and pop, you've, we've had some, individual pain, but we are about to suffer wider pain. And I, I think you're starting to see that, right? I mean, there was a Hilton in Times Square that said, I'm mm -hmm. done. And yeah, that's amazing, right? Yeah, there's more and more Square. retailers, you know, that are closing for good, not just reorganization, but liquidation, yeah. gone. Yeah. Um, there's restaurant companies right behind it. There's going to be more of those. There's hotels, casinos, all that, because, you know, again, that whole event business, the whole travel industry in terms of, you know, corporate travel, you know, it's, it's just gone and it's going to get worse as we go into the fall. So you just, you know, you just look at what's going on with these colleges um, oh, with yeah. reopening. And, you know, again, everybody's focusing on the infection rates and really what counts is obviously hospitalization and death rates. But as the infections grow, the other fall, you know, follow behind three to four weeks. And they're seeing a resurgence in Europe now. They're seeing it in India. You know, so this thing is not behind us by any means. We got to get treatment. We got to get a vaccine. We've got to get therapeutics so that, you know, you know that you can get this and you're just going to get sick and you'll be fine like the yeah. flu. So we've got to get to that point. The problem is if we get a vaccine tomorrow, the general public isn't going to be able to receive that until next year sometime, you know, and, and then it has to be effective because it's only going to be effective to, you know, to a certain percentage of the, mm -hmm. the population. So there's some very tricky things going on around this um, that you just, you know, have to be aware of. And this isn't a whole negative, you know, Debbie Downer type of issue here. Mm -hmm. What we're episode, what we're trying to say is, okay, how do you position yourself for strength, you know, through right. this? What do you look for? Who do you listen to? And what do you look at? Right. So, you know, let's kind of maybe talk about that a little bit so people can have a takeaway here and say, okay, now I know what to look for, who to listen to and, you know, where I can possibly go. Yeah, that's where exactly where I want to get to. Because, and the other thing I want to sort of start that out with is, if you acknowledge that there's more pain ahead and that the, the time frame, you know, where we might be halfway through this, right? I mean, just think about that, right? This started in March. Uh, if we're just to say we're halfway through it, that means we've got until March of next year, right? Think that way. And if that's the case, realize that again, foreclosures and all the pain aspects, everything takes time to ripple through the system. So mm -hmm. to, it's not the stock market, right? The stock, the, the big tech names on Thursday were down roughly 8%. That doesn't happen with real estate. It doesn't go down in a 24-hour window. It ripples through. You go, you go 30, you go 60, you go 90 days delinquent. Then the bank does this. Then the bank does that. Then it has to maybe go through judicial foreclosure or not. 
you know, so we're months into this. What I would tell people if you're looking at real estate investing is um, while we're having pain and there's going to be very public and some spectacular blowups here coming, the deals given the system and the discounts are next year, right? Don't be in a rush, yeah. I guess is my point. Yeah, I've always said this is kind of like you and I have been talking since, you know, last April when it all started, March, April. And, and to me, this has always been like a tsunami. In a tsunami, yeah. the tide kind of goes out, goes out, goes out. And you can kind of watch it, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden this wave comes rushing in. So the tide is still going out. It hasn't ah, come that's back That's a good way. Yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is still going out. And um, until we get into next year when... And towards the end of this year, you'll start to see some stuff towards the end of this year. Because yeah, there might be some tax. Clean. Yeah, there'll be some tax or bank stuff in December for sure. Yeah, banks need to clear the books. You know, they, got, they have to get bad assets off their books and things like that. So, you know, there'll be some things going on. But this time around, in terms of general real estate at the residential level, there's all this forbearance, things like that. Nobody wants to foreclose. They, banks do not want bad loans on their books. Uh, and depending on who the borrower is and what the asset is, those things are going to look very different. You know, there are some liquidations going on in commercial real estate, but the real bargains are going to be getting into next year. Now there's always deals, yeah. you know, and there's always, you know, opportunities everywhere, but it's, it's really interesting. So from an investment standpoint in the markets, this is not a good time to be investing unless you really know what you're doing. Yeah. Cause it's just, you're buying Frothy. at the very top, yeah. <laughs> very top. And, uh, you know, even in the best economic conditions, once the Fed pulls out and when the economy's firing, the Fed's going to pull out because they know the market can tank a little bit. Mm -hmm. The rest of the economy will be OK. Yeah. Right. What they didn't want was they didn't want the coronavirus business closing, uh, people losing their jobs and the market tanking. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't want all of that because that would have created a run on the banks and cr oh. created panic. Yeah. That would have been economic Armageddon. Mm -hmm. Once we're all back everything's good. That market's going to tail back again, you know, and it'll, it'll get back up. And I don't even know what the real, where should it really be, you know? Uh, but you, you'll have to get back to normal valuation levels at some point. So be careful with the markets. Be careful what they're saying, because everybody who comes on CNBC and Bloomberg and all these other things, they all have their own self-interest in, you know, in play. They've got stocks yeah. to buy and sell. Yep. They don't make money unless your money is with them and you're active with them. Yep. So they're telling you what they want you to do, not what they're doing. Yep, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talking so their book. There. Yeah, they're, definitely... yeah, they're talking their book. They're moving markets, you know, and, and, and playing the whole game. And, um, you know, when it comes to real estate, housing obviously is still strong. And mm -hmm. there's some repositions. I'm working on a deal right now with somebody where it's a senior living facility that closed. It's mm -hmm. vacant. And, um, you know, we're going to convert that into uh, some micro apartments and do, do the uh, short-term rentals. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So for everybody listening, that's a great little niche. It could be a hotel, it could be a senior living facility, and it's going to be a major, you know, gut renovation job. It's an older building, but the niche is these small turnkey furnished micro apartments near a city center that do 30 to 40% more than you can get with year round renters. You know, cause they're coming in for three, six months yep. or whatever. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, those things are extremely profitable. So the economics on that are, you know, you're in, in these units for, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars at the end of the day. Well, 150, 160,000 turnkey, you know, uh, and they're going to rent for about 24,000 a year, somewhere around there, 20 to 24,000 a year. There you go. And then there's some units right now in, in a couple of areas where I'm at where you can buy these things for like a hundred grand and then put them in those rental programs. So there's some little niches there around the country. So anybody who's listening, start take, you know, take a look at your area, especially if you're in like a university. Yep. Um, 
area. So we're, we're here with the University of Virginia, student housing, you know, these aren't for students, but these are for traveling nurses, traveling executives, things like that. Yep. MBA students, you know, coming and going that need temporary living, don't yeah. want to lug furniture. So there's a little niche there. So that's, that's a great little niche in real estate housing. Housing is going to be killer. Um, I made a video the other day about industrial. Everybody's rushing into industrial thinking, you know, yeah. um, you know, thinking logistics, last mile distribution with all the e-commerce and all that. Be careful because a lot of the retailers are converting their, yep. their locations into the last mile distribution and fulfillment centers. And the big e-commerce retailers are looking at taking advantage of some of these closed strip centers and retail big boxes to turn into warehouse distribution centers. For sure. And, you know, by the way, Walmart finally woke up and realized, wait a minute, you know, we are the distribution center of America for, you know, groceries, this, that, and the other. Absolutely, so, yeah. Uh, so just be careful with those industrial bets and with storage bets, because a lot of these things are getting, you know, repurposed into that. So those are some of the things I see as opportunities in real estate right now. And then I'll hit one more. So from a business front, yeah. there'll be a lot of vacant spaces, turnkey, yeah. that if you have, if you have the desire, the skills and the ability, once we get through this to go in and reopen some salons, reopen some restaurants, you know, things like that. So uh, it's, it's going to be a great time to negotiate, um, you know, great terms on leases. And those things will get a little bit back into balance for anybody who's listening with the cost of doing business. Now a healthy rent, in my opinion, for like a retail restaurant business is about 5% of your sales. And it had gotten up to almost 10% in a uh-huh. lot of areas. That's not healthy for a restaurant to operate you know, for retail to operate. So you might be able to negotiate some leases around 5% of what your gross sales anticipation are, or even a gross rent uh, agreement where it's based on your sales. Yeah, one of the things I've been playing at uh, because of our weekly conversation is what businesses in a normal environment are, you know, resistant to Amazon, Walmart, all of those, right? And it is those local services, you know, salons, bakeries, right? Things of those nature that, um, you know, I am looking at because again, if you can, and for me, I would be picking up the space mm-hmm. and then putting someone in and you're right. I would take 5%, 6% of sales uh, mm-hmm. going forward. Right. So um, I, again, yeah, there'll be a good my, opportunity to be on the landlord side of that and yeah. to be on the business operation side of that or buy a business that's already existing. You take over the real estate and then sell the business. Yeah. So you could buy the whole package and there's ways to do that without even having to put any money up. Wow. You know, uh, let's say, Michael, you have a, a hair salon and it's totally turnkey equipped and you just, you're done, you're out, you're ready, you're ready to go. Um, and it has the real estate, the business and everything. So I'm going to come in and buy that from you. And I'll say, okay, I'll tell you what, Michael, I'll give you, you know, $200,000 for the, for the business. And I'll give you, you know, $500,000 for the real estate. So if you're not in a position to finance the real estate, then I buy that. But the business, I'll give you the 200000 for the business, all the FF&E, furniture, fixtures, equipment, customer database, all that. And here's how I'll pay you. Um, I'll, I'll give you that $200,000 over the next five years mm-hmm. with a deferred payment, uh, of, of, uh, you know, at the end of the month. So right. let me get, in here, get it open, get it operating, and then I'll pay you every single month, right. a month after I'm open over that five year period. Or maybe you want 50,000 down and you'll finance the rest. I'll say, yeah. okay, well, give me a deferred down payment. Give me 90 days to get the business going, give you the 50 and then start paying. So there's a number of ways to get into businesses very creatively, uh, but the real estate, you know, may or may not be able to be, you know, financed in that, that type of manner. Yeah. Again, I think, I think coming out of this is is going to be, uh, I think it'll be a year or two of the entrepreneur. I I really Mm -hmm. do. I, I, the American economy, the American entrepreneur is one of the most powerful forces out there. 
we are getting kicked in the teeth today. Mm-hmm. But it will end. And ones that want to pick themselves up or start uh, will be coming off a tremendous foundation, right? Lower rents, lower lease, lower uh, fixture cost. I mean, it, you really could set yourself up for a 20 or 30 year run uh, if you do it right. And again, take advantage of the situation, right? Maybe a lot of businesses, you never thought about owning your building. You know what? Right? You might be leasing somewhere in the city today for whatever, and you're limping along, but maybe lift your head up, go look for a building to buy and move, you know, become the tenant, right? There might be better ways to do this. I, I, I'm very encouraged by what's coming. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. as we said earlier, we've got another six months of, of pain to get through, I think. It's going to be a while. We have a lot going on here. So we have a little election. We still have, uh, you know, the virus to get through and all that. So, so the, you know, this year, a lot of things are going to kind of be in limbo until we know what kind of administration and, and yep. uh, legislature we're going to have. It's not just the administration, it's the legislature. Yeah, yeah and, for you sure. Know, if Biden wins, I think it's all going to be, you know, um, a democratic Sweet. legislature. Yeah, democratic uh, administration. So the good news is what we know Biden's history. So we know he's a known entity in terms of what that policy looked like with Obama. Mm-hmm. And you know that if he gets it wins, Obama's going to be in his ear. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, so you, you kind of know what that's going to look like. Um, you know, with Trump, we already know what that looks like, right? Yep. So, um, uh, you know, I mean, he's doing everything he can to hand it to Biden. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, yeah. he's trying to give it to him. So, uh, yeah. and I'm not leaning one way or the other. I'm just saying it's, this is very fascinating. And uh, I'm almost expecting them to start rolling on the floor during the debate. You know, they might lock up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Start, start throwing the punches. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy times. I, I unfortunately think it, it, we get more toxic. We, the American, it's funny. I, I did a video the other day because I was just so frustrated with some of the comments on this channel that I just keep deleting. But, you know, there's a bell curve, right? <laughs> there's a, at you. <laughs> yeah, there's a freaking bell curve out there of Americans, where you fall, right? And mm-hmm. most of us are in the middle of the bell curve. But we are letting 2.5% on each side, right? That's two standard deviations away from the middle. We're letting those extremists outliers, whatever you want to call them, dictate how the middle feels because Mm -hmm. they're loud. They're on TV. Uh, The middle's got to stand up, I think, and start saying it's really not that bad. Yes, we have our problems. We need to acknowledge our problems. And we, we, the collective we, not race, not religion, not sex, nothing. We, you know, we we need to be more powerful because if the middle doesn't stand up, and take ownership of this. These little extremists, they're not going to go away on their own unless the middle says, you're done. We're, we're tired of yeah. you. So. Well, and you know, that's a small contingent of the people that are really trying to get violent and do all that crazy stuff. And they're on both sides. You know, there's Absolutely. some right-wing extremists, there's some left-wing extremists, but no at the way. end of the day, there's a real conversation and, and you know, change that needs to happen with social injustice. I mean, that's a yep. real thing. No and question. you and I will never be able to understand what you know, black people in this country deal with. You just can't. I grew up in the deep South. I served in the military, you know, so, you know, I've been around all different races, religions and everything my entire career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even with that living and sleeping and showering with people Mm -hmm. of different races, different beliefs, different religions, you still can't walk a day in their shoes. You just can't. can't. It is very different, you know, so, so that's a real conversation that needs to happen. Agreed. And the problem is, is that it's getting mixed up with the other conversation that needs to happen. It, big government, 
socialist, you know, type government versus, you know, independent democratic society. That's another conversation totally separate and apart from the social issues. Um, and, and, and that's what it really is. A democratic government is, is big government. It's more taxation. It's, it's less individual control. It's less individuality in terms of opportunity. Uh, it's more of the government telling you how much you can earn, what you can do and where you can go and how you can spend your money and, you know, and more taxation. That's just what that fundamental belief of a democratic, uh, you know, liberal type government is versus a, you know, conservative Republican type conservative government fundamentally should be based on individual freedom, the ability to generate and create your own opportunity. And there are no limits to what you can do and limited government. You know, and what we really need, I mean, I'll tell you what we really need is a national sales tax, get rid of every tax known to man and have a national sales tax, okay? Then everybody pays. If you're a drug dealer, if you're a criminal, if you're illegal in this country illegally, whatever it is, everybody's paying their fair share at point of sale. And the more you make, the more you spend, the more you're gonna pay. Everything is taxed. Now, for people that don't make enough money, there's a rebate. Mm. So your income level, you just get a check. That's how you balance equality there. That, that is simple, would solve all of our problems, would create so much revenue. It, it's just amazing. That's number one. Number two, term limits. You need term limits at every level. Please. Every yes. single level. And on that term limit, if you serve in Washington, you go back to where you came from. You don't stay in Washington as a lobbyist, as a you know, consultant yeah. and all that. You know, Michael, you leave your job, you go serve for four years, your term's up, you go back and do what you did before you came to Washington and you're out. You can yes, never please. earn money there. Yes. So, you know, that's the other one. And then, you know, obviously what government is for at the federal level is national infrastructure, national defense, and national welfare and Medicare for those who can't, not those mm -hmm. who won't. Right. So that, that's kind of how you solve that. And that's the fundamental differences between a, a liberal and a, and a conservative government. And that's the, that's the conversation separate and apart from the injustice socially that has been happening based on race. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, critical subjects to be talking about you and I as white men can't appreciate what's going through. Uh, but we need to support the ones that can, it needs to be talked about. It needs to be discussed. Yeah. It's not okay. Systemic racism, racism exists. It is wrong. It is, you know, it, it's not okay. And we need to stand with people that are having that peaceful conversation, but it has been mixed with very toxic behavior that I'm not okay with. Yeah, and that's everybody. Politicians are going to take advantage of it. Extremists are going to take advantage of it. And, you know, I live in Charlottesville where we had that huge riot happen several yeah. years ago. And the people that came and caused it aren't even from here. You know, yeah. so, I mean, you know, because whenever I say I'm from Charlottesville, people are like, oh, really? How is it there? I'm like, it's fine. It's you know, fine. we've never had those issues before. Yeah, except one day. One day was really that bad. Was it. <laughs> but everybody's like, well, how is it there? You know, yeah. can you walk downtown? It's like, yeah, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not yeah. like that. That's not how, how it is here. And it's, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I wish we could just push a button and wipe bigotry off the planet. It infuriates me. That's, yeah. you know, there's two things that infuriate me beyond anything else. Racism is one and abuse of children and women is the other. Those are the I was, two things I can I was going to hope you were saying that. Yes, me too. Yeah, those are the two things I cannot tolerate. There's a lot, but, you know, yeah. those two things right there. <laughs> the those know. are at the peak of the pyramid. Yeah, those yeah. are not okay. So anyway, we're getting a little <laughs> off track here. but Yeah, uh, well, let's go back and close because I think I'm going to make this the title, the title of the video is 30% unemployment, right? If, we, if, we, if, we, if you and I acknowledge that's where we are, um, you know, we got to – the economy, the GDP, all of that productivity, not going to be great at 30%. And it needs to get better. I mean, this could be a, 
I mean, I just can't imagine 30% true unemployment. It takes entrepreneurs, business owners. I mean, we could be in double digit unemployment for two years. If that's yeah. the case, it's going to take a while it's, to get out of it. It's going to take a while to get people back to work because it's going to take a while to get the country back open again, the world, you know, back open yeah. again. And, and we're still contracting. I mean, you know, I was talking That's to my true. wife last night and I've been telling her, let's go do this before it gets shut down again. Let's go do that before. And she's like, she wasn't really thought I was joking. And last night she's like, we really are going to get shut down again, aren't we? I'm like, you know, the signs are obvious. If you don't take the precautions that you're supposed to take, which, you know, people that don't want to aren't, yeah, yeah it's going to keep going. It's going to keep spreading. And we're going to get shut down until we get the treatments and stuff. So we're still contracting, you know, we have fall and winter now, so we don't know what that's going to hold. All we know is what we see when masses yeah. of people get together and don't do what they're supposed to do. You have a problem. Yeah. You know, shocking. It hasn't gone away. <laughs> it hasn't gone away. Yeah. You know, and I think there's a little bit of denial out there. It's like, ah, you know, because you don't hear so much about death rates anymore, you yeah. know? So I think there's a little bit of denial, but there's, yeah. I mean, there's still, you know, a, a lot of people dying every day from it. Uh, so it, it's still there. It's still there um, yeah. But so what we got to do is, and I'll, I'll hit you after this, is research that number. Let's see if we can find out what the GDP is okay. as opposed to where it is to get that, you know, what's that real effective unemployment rate? Okay. Yeah, because again, yeah. back to the really point of this conversation is I, is I think we both think there's more pain ahead. It's delayed. Um, I think there will be a skinny stimulus deal done that kind of gets us over this bridge to treatment and vaccine and all of that. But even when we're there, to your point, we're still going to have quarters of slow build in progress and it won't be it won't be a v right it might be a u or an l or whatever a nike swoosh mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it um, i actually am starting to think that there's a true w economy you know kind of it bounced off the trampoline and, and you know we get that second wave the fall comes and we mm -hmm. we like you and your wife are talking close again man whoo that could be uh that could be bad so um any thoughts on any yeah, thoughts? And again, on you've got three different recoveries. You're right. You have three different recoveries. You have the markets, you have corporate America, and then you have Main Street. So those are three very different shaped recoveries. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. So with that, again, folks, um, don't rush, I guess is the point of this conversation. Don't rush. Don't get fully invested at the peak. Uh, don't think a 5% deal is enough. Uh, I think we have a lot more pain to absorb. So any closing thoughts, Greg? That's it. It's better to know the top and be able to call the top than the bottom. So we are there at the top pretty we much are everywhere. At, we are at the top. <laughs> I love that, man. Well, enjoy your Labor Day. Have fun, all right? Yeah, you too. Thanks.